he has a call, he has a charge, he has a command to us that we too would become friends of sinners. And so really, really, I think my, my desire is people would awaken to his love, really awakened to what his message all, was all about, but then also really hoping that people would be spurred to, to love people in a deeper, uh, more authentic way. is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I'm excited to welcome over the phone line Pastor Rich Wilkerson, Jr. Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Taylor. Thanks for having me today, bro. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, first, we're going to get into all of the cool and exciting stuff that you're working on. Uh, but first off, how's your life? I know you have a, a new son coming soon, right? Man, I am so pumped. Yeah, we're just a few days away from our firstborn son. We have uh, we've been on the journey of trying to have kids for a whole lot of years. In fact, it's been an eight-year journey, if you can believe it, of uh, of really being challenged um, with infertility and really hoping and praying. And so this is like what we've been calling a miracle in motion for us. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and uh, he has been worth the wait. But uh, I'm 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 excited. I'm a little nervous. And uh, we got to figure out. I guess we're gonna learn as we go. But he, he's coming, and uh, he's gonna change everything. I got a feeling. That is fantastic. It's it's really cool to hear just your enthusiasm on that. And I'm glad we were able to get, able to get in this interview before you get uh, really busy with the newborn soon. <laughs> right? He's about to dominate my life here for a little bit, but um, we're, we're up for the challenge. Fantastic. And uh, so maybe uh, maybe I should say the second most exciting project that you have coming up then is your new book uh, coming out called uh, Friend of Sinners. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, I'm really excited about um, my new book, Friend of Sinners. Uh, the subtitle is Why Jesus Cares More About Relationship Than Perfection. And it's coming out um, March 13th. It's a Tuesday. And this is my um, my second book. And I'm I'm really pumped about this message. Um, I think what inspired me was I wrote a book about two years ago called uh, Sandcastle Kings, and the premise of the book was building your life on Jesus, and anything else is like sand. Anything else is ground. This is a solid rock. And while I was talking about that book, um, I was doing interviews kind of like this one, and uh, the topic of conversation kept coming up just about some of my friends and maybe people that I'm doing life with and maybe just our community of Vu Church in Miami and Maybe it's unconventional or it's maybe unorthodox approach at reaching people. And um, in all of that, there was just a lot of questions about maybe our tactics or our um, perspective on certain things on people, really. And um, I kept finding myself saying this soundbite that uh, for us, you know, people are people. People are not projects. They're not like, you know, hey, I start with you and I've got an end game in mind for you. But rather, our job is to simply love them. and It's God's job to change them. And I've always been fascinated with, with the titles that people gave Jesus, the nicknames they gave Jesus. And one of his biggest nicknames that has always been provocative and scandalous to me is that he's known as the friend of sinners. And I, I just, I don't know, I've always loved that. I think it's a timeless, uh, provocative, relevant uh, title. And so as I was finishing up that book, uh, right away, just this new idea came to me that I wanted to talk about God's love for humanity and really our love for people as we receive his love. And so this book, A Friend of Sinners, is really all about encountering Jesus, how much he loves all of us, that all of us are sinners. And until we admit that, um, we're actually lost. But the minute we do admit that, we find a friend in Jesus, a friend of Jesus. 
he has a call, he has a charge, he has a command to us that we too would become friends of sinners. And so really, really, I think my, my desire is people would awakened to his love, really awakened to what his message all, was all about, but then also really hoping that people would be spurred to, to love people in a deeper, uh, more authentic way. That's really cool. Now, as you were working on this book and digging into the scriptures and finding out more about the life of Jesus, what did what what surprised you? What did you learn during the process? Yeah, I think I think for me, what I've I've been on a journey for the last I can't I probably put a time on it, but I've, I've been pastoring this church called Blue Church for two years. And about a year before that, we announced that we were going to launch, and so I would say the last three to five years, I've just been on a journey of sort of rediscovering Jesus for myself. I, I grew up in a Christian home and. Um, Always loved God, had some years for sure where I rebelled against that and ran from that. But um, I don't know, maybe in the last five years or so, I think I just my just discovering who Jesus is is just what continues to change me. And I think in, in this book, what I'm just constantly reminded about and then challenged with and relearning over and over again is that Jesus, he didn't just come for you know behavior modification he, he really did come for heart transformation he came to get to the core of who we are he came to challenge our intentions challenge our motivations challenge our heart and i think if we're not careful in modern day evangelical christian circles the heart will simply focused on um the outcome of a changed heart as opposed to speaking to the heart as opposed to challenging the inside. And I think that Jesus, as you read, it's like he just loved people where they were. A lot of times I've had people come up to me, I talk about this in the book, and people say, Rich, that's cool, man. We see, you know, maybe some of the people that you're hanging out with or people that you're getting to know, but, you know, it still seems like some of those people you're hanging out with, they haven't changed yet or they're not followers of Jesus yet. Everyone that Jesus hung out with, he always led them to change. And I sort of used to kind of believe that. I used to kind of like make me feel bad, like, yeah, you're right. I mean, he is God, and so if anyone could do it, he could do it. You know, why doesn't that always happen for me? But really, as you start to study the Scriptures, what you'll find out is that, yes, a lot of people changed that were with Jesus, but some didn't. (laughs) And some he allowed to hang out even when they didn't change. I mean, Jesus healed hands that would hurt people. He healed feet that would run away from him. He healed eyes that would lust again. He healed mouths that would curse again. the first chapter of the book is called Missed Message, that we just miss the message sometimes of Jesus. And we create our own messaging out of it. And what you'll see is it's the story of Levi, um, the tax collector, whose name is Matthew also. And he goes up to Matthew and he says, hey, come follow me. And Matthew leaves his tax collector booth. And that night, Matthew throws a party and invites a whole bunch of other tax collectors. These are, these are known sinners and criminals. And Jesus goes to this party. We never see Jesus preach a sermon. We never see conversion moments out of all these other tax collectors. All we see is Jesus having dinner and drinks with these guys. And then the Pharisees show up and they go, who is this friend? Who is this guy who's hanging out with all these heathens? And Jesus makes this big, huge statement, which is really the premise of the book. He didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And I can kind of see like these Pharisees like going, yeah, cool. Like that's a good thing. We support that message, but they were missing it. They were missing the fact that he was saying, I came for sick people, but you have to recognize that you are sick. You have to recognize that all of you are unhealthy. All of you are broken without me. I think when you ask me, what did I learn? I think I just continue to learn that Jesus loves people where they are. Jesus doesn't force himself upon people. 
Jesus continues to be constant even when people are inconsistent. And I'm just on a journey, if I'm being honest with you, that I'm, I want to do better in those categories. I want, to, I want to love people deeper. I want to love people wider. I want to love people with, with the love of God. And um, that requires real patience. That requires um, not a fake love that's got an outcome attached to it, but rather just going, my job's to love, my job's to serve. And it's really God's job to make the change happen. I think that's a really cool goal. Um, and it's something that I've heard from a lot of Christians, and maybe you can speak into this topic. I think you were you were starting to there, where there's a, there's a lot of Christians who say, like you were talking about, that like you have to be influencing your friends toward Jesus and getting like real results in order to hang out with people who are not Christians. They'll, right. they'll use verses like, uh, you're supposed to be in the world but not of the world, or, or bad company yep. corrupts good morals. Um, lots of things from Proverbs, that sort of thing. Um, can you sort of... Uh, uh, respond to those those people? Yeah, I, mean, I was doing an interview the other day. You know, I pastor a church, and pastoring is different from giving, you know, a keynote speech at something. You know, you give a speech somewhere, and you can kind of make some radical statements, and then you can get out of town, and whoever is there has to kind of deal with whatever <laughs> was said, good or bad. And when you're pastoring people, it means you got to journey with people, and you got to you got to you got to preach on Sunday, and you got to hope that it makes sense for them on Thursday. And so. There's no doubt about it in my mind that, you know, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I think we need to be with who we, who we journey with and who we do life with. And there's all sorts of things in the New Testament that Paul talks about uh, beyond just Proverbs where it's saying, hey, you know, don't be unequally yoked. You know, what does, what does light have in common with darkness? And even when you study the life of Jesus, I think Jesus has to be the example. Jesus is the model, okay? And so Jesus really did life with 12 dudes. And out of those 12 dudes, one was a bad seed, if you will. The other 11, uh, 10 of them gave their life for him. I mean, these were men that, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. These were close confidants. These were men that he, he journeyed with, that he prayed with, mountaintop moments, valley moments. And so I think for me, on a personal level, like, yeah, I need to have close brothers and sisters in Christ that are surround, strengthening me, that are holding me accountable, that are the people I'm journeying with. Yet on the, on the flip side of that entire thing, I think that people that we live, so many people live in an either-or world. It's either that or it's, or it's the other way. I, I, I don't think that's how it is. I actually think it's both and, that you can have both incredibly grounded people around you and you can love people who are with them. And I don't believe it's my responsibility to change people. I just, I youth pastored for years, and I thought that was the goal, and I used to try to shake kids, and used to try to get kids saved, and I'm all about, I have a, I have a deeper passion for lost people than I ever have in my life, but I've also got this sense that the pressure's not on me, the pressure's on God. My role is to love, my role is to model what Jesus looks like on the earth. My, 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 my role is to represent Christ on the earth. I am the aroma of Christ on the earth, is what Paul says. And so I think we have to be okay with God doing his job and us doing our job. Our job is to serve. Our job is to love. Our job is to journey. And uh, I think that those that are closest to me are people that are like-minded, that are faith-filled, that know who I want to be, that I know who they are. But then I've got lots of people on this journey that I'm going, that's my friend. I love that person. And even when they screw up and even when they do things that I disagree with, I, I can love them through that. Of course we can have honest conversations. Of course, I think real friendship has to be 
based on truth. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be someone's real friend if you're not honest with them about how you feel about something or what your perspective is on a subject. But we've, I, someone was asking me the other day, like, you know, I actually have some practical goals that I'd love to see happen on this book. One of my practical goals is that I'm hoping that people, especially Christians right now, can read this book and that they can walk away and go, you know what? I can disagree with somebody and not disrespect them. Uh, I, I can, you know, not agree with somebody and still accept them. I, I think those are big, huge sound bites that we need to get into our heart and into our spirit. And I think too many, too often Christians, they have these timelines for people, and they have these past due dates that if you don't change by this time or if you don't become like that, well, then I'm going to move on from you. But I just don't see that to be the Christ example. I think Jesus had 12 dudes he did life with that knew who he was and knew what his mission was, that he was able to be highly confidential with. But then Jesus was also the guy that was out in the city. Like he was at the party. He was rubbing shoulders with everybody. He was spending time having intimate, deep conversations, whether that was with the Pharisees, Demas, or then a woman at the well. One was lost on the outside. The other was lost on the inside. Both completely lost, both in need of Jesus, both sick, not knowing it, Jesus being the answer for both of them, and he had time for both of them. And so that's kind of the model that I'm trying to showcase to people. But this is not a how-to book. This is not going to be a book of going, hey, here's your lead-in question. You know, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? That's not what this book is. This book is catching the spirit of the gospel and catching uh, an awareness that all of us, all of us, we are equal in our sin, and all of us are equally qualified to follow Jesus, or better yet, all of us are equally disqualified in following Jesus. And um, he's come for friendship and relation with us. We just have to recognize it and acknowledge it. So earlier you mentioned talking about that, that our goal is not to change people, it's to represent Jesus and to model that love to other people. How can we show that same conviction and compassion for the lost like Jesus did? Yeah, I, think, I just think from the get-go, um, our, our, this is a question that I've been asked a lot, and this is a question that at times in my answer has gotten me criticized. But, you know, from the day we started our church, we've always just had this conviction in our church, um, which is that we're called to serve the city, and it's God's job to change it. And so, like, once a month at our church, we do these things called I Love My City projects, where we just come and we serve the city, we clean the streets, we give out water bottles, we go to nursing homes, we go to children's homes. And the whole premise, the whole point is simply just to be love in action, just to be ambassadors of Christ, just to serve the city. And I remember one time I put up on, like, my Instagram, like, our job's not to change the city, our job is to serve it. And I had, like, a couple people just kind of come at me, like, that's not true, we're called to be change agents. And I know exactly what they mean, and I I do agree. I think the Church is to bring about change. I think what I'm trying to suggest in this book is, what are your means to change? You know, how are you bringing change? For me, the way we bring about change is through love and service. Change is the byproduct of those things. The goal is not change. The goal is to love. The goal is to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve and love even if people don't change. See, if my goal is change, well, then if people aren't changing, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. But I, I think your goal has to be something deeper than that. You don't get to control if people change. Like, we can't change anybody. I can't change my wife, you know. I can't change myself. Jesus has done all of that change. And so as a church and as, as Christians, I think we need to set our goals on something that is more realistic and more real, and that is, 
I can control if I love somebody. I can control if I serve somebody. I can control if I'm kind, if I'm good to people. As I do those things, as I plant those seeds, I believe it's God that's going to bring about the change. Paul said, I planted seed. Apollos watered seed. It's only God who makes it grow. And so when you go, what are practical things that we can do? I think that you can meet your neighbor. And I think you can say, how you doing, neighbor? And I think you can say, hey, you want to come over for dinner, neighbor? Hey, you want to grill some steaks tonight, neighbor? And I think you can like get into their world and get to know them. Not with the goal to be like, oh, I can't wait to invite them to church, and I can't wait to da-da-da-da-da-da. But how about with just the goal to say, I'm going to love this person? I think if you do that, getting them to church is going to be a no-brainer. Having them hear about what you believe is going to be a no-brainer. And I really believe that most likely, if you want to see authentic change or them have a salvation encounter, it's probably going to happen when you just simply go and approach them and develop friendship with them. So I think our job as, as believers is to be intentional with people. I don't think that we should be happenstance or default. I think we should be designed, intentional, focused people that every person we come in contact with is an opportunity for God to minister to them, for God to bring glory to His name, for God to do something great in their life. So we have to be intentional, but I think we need to relieve the pressure that the change or the salvation is up to us. It's not. And I think it would also help us, and I think it would do the body of Christ um, some good if we would just love people where they are instead of loving people with our own agenda, loving people with an agenda to see them change or whatever our to-do list is for their lives. Um, I think that's a breath of fresh air, and that's just something that I'm, I'm working on and I want to continue to work on. That's really cool. Uh, well, if people want to uh, find out more about you or the book, where can they do that? Yeah, I think uh, you know basic things like Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm active on social places like Twitter and Instagram, at Rich Wilkerson Jr. Um, the book's got a really cool website up right now called friendofsinners.co, friendofsinners.co. There's a lot of really cool uh, additional resources there on the website uh, that come along with the book, shareable items. Um, I think if you pre-order the book right now, you can. I'm reading chapter one to you. There's a video there. Uh, if you're a pastor or a leader out there, uh, we've got a lot of churches that are getting on board to do a Friend of Sinners series at their church, which I think is a really cool idea, maybe leading up to Easter, after Easter, um, anytime really, um, talking to your church about God's love, but also talking to your church about our response and how we should love our neighbor, how we should love the people around us. Um, so those are all really, really great places to, um, to hear more about those things. And I think you can buy the book wherever books come out is what I'm hoping that they're putting it, putting it everywhere. Um, but we're just, yeah, we're just hoping this message gets out and we're hoping it really encourages people. And we're really believing that, um, God's going to do something, something great through it. Great. And if people want to track, uh, you and your growing family, where can they do that on social? Yeah, just at Rich Wilkerson Jr. Just follow us, my wife and I, and come follow our little family. It's three of us now. My goodness gracious. It's going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations again on the addition to your family, on the new book. Um, it's, It's been great having you on the show today. Taylor, we are so grateful for you, man. Thanks for letting me come on. We love everything you guys are doing over there at Charisma. You guys are are legends, and we're just grateful for you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, Would you mind closing us out with a prayer? Absolutely. Lord, we thank you so much uh, just for this incredible day. Lord, we thank you for everyone that's listening today. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that um, for those that are hearing this talk today, hearing this conversation, that, Lord, this would be more than words. This would be more than just sound bites or little pithy statements. But rather, God, we would take this to heart. 
Lord, we really believe that all of us have fallen short of your glory, yet somehow you came for us. When we couldn't get to you, you came to us. And Lord, your love for us, it overflows out of us that we want to go and show it to other people. I pray that you'd raise up your church in this day. You'd raise up the body of believers of your love to this world, that the Church of Jesus Christ would be known as the safest, most loving, most humble, kind place on the planet. I pray that we would do our job in lifting your name up, that all men might be drawn to you. We thank you for charisma. We thank you for this show. We thank you for all the resources and the content that they continually put out to help resource the body of believers. Thank you for those listening you keep them in all that they're doing. Oh, we really believe that the best is ahead of us, the best is in front of us. We turn our eyes towards Jesus, and as we do, this world, it grows strangely. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Rich Wilkerson Jr. on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. Regent University is one of the fastest growing universities in the nation, experiencing 21% growth from summer 2016 to summer 2017. This fully accredited university offers associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees within an innovative learning environment that includes the option of enrolling solely on campus in Virginia Beach, Virginia, 100% online, or using a blend of both. Since its establishment in 1978, Regent has equipped 23,000 alumni from 125 countries to become accomplished professionals. Guided by a mission of Christian leadership to change the world, the school prepares students with the knowledge to excel and the faith to live with purpose. To learn more or request information, visit www.learn.regent.edu. That's www.learn.regent.edu. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.